We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Father, we are delighted to be here. We are delighted to, to come together to fellowship, to worship one another, uh, with one another, and bring glory and honor to you. This morning I just pray, Lord, that you would touch our hearts, that you would transform us more into the image of Christ. Help us to see your word and help it to penetrate our heart, to um, comfort us for those who are suffering and those who are going through trials in this life. And Lord, I think at all points in our life, somewhere down the line we will endure suffering and hardship and we will have a time of trials. And Lord, we just pray for Your mercy and Your grace during those times. Lord, we thank You this morning for Your Word and the impact it makes in our lives. And so we just ask that You illuminate Your Word, that it might speak to our hearts, that we might be obedient to it, and that You might use us to glorify and honor Yourself. Lord, I just pray You fill me this morning with the power of the Holy Spirit, that I might speak Your truth in obedience, with boldness, in urgency. For you are coming soon and there is much work to be done here on this earth. We love you, Lord, and we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, this week was a pretty interesting week for me as I, I really wanted to, as, as I studied this passage, I really wanted to come and give you some great insight of, of how to deal with sufferings. So I, I was looking for a wonderful story, a good uh, illustration of how I could do that. But I didn't have any luck. But God has a sense of humor as He gave me a story this week, uh, Friday. Um, I was getting my message ready to prepare and, and I had written quite a bit of my message. And, you know, I don't copy people's stuff when I preach, typically. At least not yet. Give me a long weekend and you might get a Saturday night special. But, but I, I had written quite a bit of my sermon on Friday. And, and I know David heard me in the office and when I screamed, you got to be kidding me. And so as I was working on my sermon, my computer, you know, I, I use a Mac and, and I was running Microsoft Office. Well, Microsoft Office decided it was going to lock up my computer. And here I had not saved my system yet. I hadn't saved my sermon. And so, you know, many of you with PC may be used to this. Y'all may be used to this experience, but us who have switched over to the Mac world, we're not used to this kind of stuff. And so, you know, I lost all of my sermon. And I'm thinking, here it is, Friday, 9.30, we have a father-son camp out here in just a few hours that I've got to go to. And I can't do it Saturday because we'll still be there camping. And then Saturday evening at 6 o'clock i got to go eat barbecue with my brother David. And I'm not going to miss that. Free food and barbecue? <laughs> well, as I lost my sermon... I went through many different emotions. I was angry, <laughs> needless to say. 
I was upset and I was ready to pull my hair out because here it was, I was in a rush, I was trying to get this thing done, I had prepared all week and now it's time to write it and I've lost everything. And I'm never going to remember what I said. I can't even remember what to say, that's why I write everything down. And so now I'm having to prepare a whole brand new message. But the moral of the story is this, when something happens to us in our lives, whether it be suffering for Christ, whether it be a trial, whether it be a file that goes bad and you lose everything, we can respond in many different ways. And this morning, Peter is going to describe to us as Christians how we are to respond in the midst of trials and things that happen to us in our lives, specifically sufferings. Now, I could have lost it. I could have said, you know, I'll just, I'm done with this. I'm just going to do one on the fly, which I hope I could have done. I could have screamed at David through the door, David, can you believe this? But I just sat there. And all of these emotions that filled my mind, I said, you know, God is still in control of even the computer system. And though I couldn't find a story, God created one for me because you know what? You're going to be living your life and something's going to come up. And you're going to have some kind of event take place where you're going to have to decide, how am I going to respond? And boy, I tell you, Friday was a day filled with those for me. Just in those few hours that I prepared and wrote my message on Friday, there was more happening that day than all of the rest of the week in which I had to determine how was I going to respond in the midst of this trial. God was teaching me something through this message. And so this morning I hope He teaches you something. So let, let us dig in this morning as we look at what Peter has to tell us about the sufferings that we will and should be enduring. Last week, again, we looked at our outline. If you will, go to the next slide, brother. I forgot to highlight that one for you. Peter's description of the Christian's lifestyle. We looked at the, that the end times should bring about Christian urgency. I should come to this pulpit on Sunday morning with an urgency to say this is what the Lord says and we need to respond because you know why? The end times are coming. They were close when Jesus was there. They were close when Peter was there. And if they're close then, we're a whole lot closer now than we were back then. The end times we looked at should bring about Christian living in our lives. We need to have sober minds. We need to be of sober judgment for the what? The purpose of prayer. We sang this morning about the importance of prayer. We need you, Lord, to hear our prayers. And every one of us, not just me, not just you, everybody needs prayer. And we need to pray on behalf of others. We learn that we need to love one another. We need to invest in one another. We need to spend our lives for the sake of one another. You know, one of my favorite verses comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. And you can turn there if you want. If not, just listen because I want to read it to you. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, it says, Therefore... If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. 
By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in all things consider others more important than yourself. That's what we need to do for one another. And so as we lived our lives this week, I hope in some fashion, some way, some, something, we considered others better than ourselves. And I know I've seen it throughout our church. People are consistently worried about the needs of the others and we all need to partake in that and be parting in love and grace and mercy to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thursday this week, uh, we're going to be helping a brother in the church. Thursday night. And I want to give you the opportunity to meet me here at the church at 6 o'clock. To go serve, to go help. You don't need to know who the brother is. That doesn't matter. You'll find out when you get there. But we want you to come and join us. And I'll be here at 6. We'll leave at 6.15. And we're going to go clean up somebody's yard that needs some help. And so, let's fill His yard with people. People willing to step out and to serve one another. I want people around Him to go, what are those crazy people doing? They love that man, that's why they're serving Him. They want to know what's happening at this guy's house. Why are all these people over there? Well, I want you to know, women, children, and men, you are all welcome to come. No one's too old, no one's too young to serve the family of God. That's portion and love. The love that we should have for one another. So 6 o'clock right here on Thursday night, let's do this. And I'll be looking for you as well. So I hope you come. That's what we talked about last week. Love. Prayer. But this week, we're looking at Peter's description of dealing with sufferings. Dealing with sufferings. Peter is going to tell us how we are to handle sufferings within our lives. Number one, we need to consider our sufferings. Number two, we need to celebrate our sufferings. Thirdly, we need to calculate our sufferings. And lastly, what we'll look at today is we need to commit our sufferings. If you will, turn your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Peter chapter 4. We'll be looking at verses 12 to 19. 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 to 19. If you're new here, uh, we also have slides that you can follow along with. If you don't have your Bible this morning, so just follow along in your, in your, your Bible or up on the slides. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19 reads this. It says, Beloved, do, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as murderers or thieves or evildoers or troublesome meddlers. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be shamed 
but it's to glorify God in that name. For this is, for, the, for it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficult that the righteous are saved, what will become of the godless men and the sinner? Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to the faithful Creator in doing what is right. With that said, let us look at our four things this morning, four points that Peter is trying to communicate to us as believers as we deal with sufferings in our lives. Last week we determined, in the week before we determined, sufferings are a part of our Christian walk. We need to be suffering for Christ. That comes in many different fashions, I understand that. But if we are living godly lives set apart for the sake of Christ, people will persecute us. Verbally, physically, you'll lose a job, you won't get hired, you'll get persecuted verbally on Facebook, on Twitter, whatever the case may be. If you stand up for Jesus Christ in our culture today, at some point in your walk you will endure persecution and this message will help you deal with that. The four things we need to consider our sufferings, we need to celebrate our sufferings, we need to calculate our sufferings, and lastly, commit them. First off, we need to consider our sufferings. What do I mean when I say this, guys? What do I mean when I say we need to consider our sufferings? Listen, we need to consider that it's going to happen. We need to consider that it's going to happen. We need to have this expectation within the life we live that we are going to suffer for the sake of Jesus. It's just a matter of time. You know, it's just like my sermon failure. It's not a matter of when it's going to happen. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's a matter of when it's going to happen. It's a computer system. It's going to fail eventually at some point in my life. And so I need to consider that. And when I consider that, then I deal with those things when they come about in a special way. Now, they may be hard to take, but if we are living for Christ, as Christ calls us to live, we will have sufferings. And due to that lifestyle, we need to consider that it's going to happen and be prepared. This week... uh, I had a young man tell me that I was stupid, that I was an idiot for believing in Jesus Christ. He said, do you really believe? Dude, Jesus is an alien. He's just a figment of your imagination. And you're an idiot for believing. Listen, if I'm being told that as a pastor at 34 years old from a young man, you kids in college and in high school are going to be trampled for your faith. And how are you going to deal with it? We need to consider that it's going to happen. And we need to be prepared when it does. Peter says here in verse 12, Beloved, listen, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you when it comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. This trial is not to be a surprise to you or myself. 
We should walk around expecting at some point today, I'm probably going to be persecuted for my faith. Now, it may not be that often for you as an individual, depending on where you work, what you do, who you come in contact with, and how your life is exalted among the people and how much you're invested in other people's lives. But it's not to, Peter is saying it's not to be a surprise. Here we know that he's talking to these believers because he begins with it, beloved. And if you remember, beloved is, is a way that uh, a father refers to his son. And later this terminology was transformed to his followers. And so he's calling these people beloved. These are Christians. And so this morning God is speaking to those who are in the household of Christ and encouraging those who are not to be a part of the household of Christ so that you can deal with these sufferings. These are Christians suffering. Now I don't find it hard to believe that when he says these fiery trials, these fiery ordeals, that he may be alluding to the fact that some of these believers, if you remember, have been dipped into oil and set alive on fire. Now, in our culture that's mind-blowing. We can't understand that. But the reality is, is under the leadership, the government of Nero, these Christians are being persecuted and killed for their faith in Jesus Christ. When you're spoken about badly for your faith, listen, don't be surprised. You are to consider that it will happen. And so now that we understand what I mean by we need to make sure we understand, evaluate, to be uh, considered that it's going to happen, let us validate that through the Word of God. Let us look at a few verses which will explain that we are to expect and why we can expect these trials and tribulations of life. The fact that here in our verse, Peter tells us, don't be surprised, and he presumes that we are to expect. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says this, In fact, everyone who wants to live godly lives... Next slide, please. In fact, everyone who wants to live godly lives in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Does that give us an option? Does that give us an out? Does that give us anything that... What it says is, if you want to live a godly life for Jesus Christ, it doesn't say you might or you maybe someday will. It says you will be persecuted. So we need to be ready. We need to be ready. John chapter 15 verse 20 says this, Remember the words that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. You and I are not greater than Jesus Christ. And if they persecuted Jesus Christ, they will persecute us. Listen, the times are coming. The clouds of persecution are brewing in our culture and in our country. And it is unfolding before our very eyes and we need to be ready. Don't act like this is a strange thing when this happens. You may be persecuted, but listen, you're not abandoned. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You may be struck down, but listen, you will not be destroyed if you are in Jesus Christ. They can beat you physically, mentally, emotionally, but spiritually they can't touch you 
And we need to be prepared. The second thing that Peter points that we need to look at is we need to celebrate our sufferings. We need to have a celebration when we begin suffering. I guess the best way for me to understand this is to understand that we are expected to suffer when we are living godly lives. And if that is the case, the fact that we are suffering for our faith shows us that we are trying to at least live godly lives. And so therefore, when we suffer for the sake of Christ, we should be encouraged, we should celebrate that you know what? Something's happening in my life. People are persecuting me. People are calling me idiots. They're calling me Jesus freak. They're calling me Bible thumpers. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord because I'm being persecuted. So we need to celebrate. He says, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. He says, whatever degree you share in the sufferings, keep rejoicing. Your degree and my degree may be different. I would never try to push my degree of suffering upon you and you should never try to push your degree of suffering on me because the point is we're suffering for Christ. People in foreign countries right now are being beaten, burned alive for their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not. I shouldn't feel burdened by that. I shouldn't feel like I'm not a godly man because I'm not experiencing that. I'm just saying wherever your suffering falls, you need to rejoice. Whether that be your parents telling you, don't teach your kids that mess. No, you be bold and you teach them what the Word of God says. Maybe it's a spouse who uh, persecutes you for your faith. Maybe in, for some reason that you didn't understand the Scriptures when it says you're not to be unequally yoked and you married an unbeliever and now your life is filled with persecutions. Listen. When we learn things, that doesn't, we can't unscramble eggs, but we may live with that kind of persecution. And we need to remember. Listen, when we have persecutions, we need to celebrate. They may be different than each other. Suffering in Ukraine is different than in America. And what they suffer in Ukraine is a lot different than what Montana suffers. There in Turkey, her sufferings are different. We're not to brag about it. Oh, I suffer more than you and therefore I'm more of a Christian, more of a godly man. No, don't, don't carry that attitude with you today because that's not what I mean. Each one has a degree to which they suffer for Christ. And whatever degree that is that you should suffer, you should keep on rejoicing saying, Amen. It says, with exultation with great celebration. Maybe when we start suffering, maybe we ought to have a suffering party. Start celebrating and having popcorn and Kool-Aid. Candy bar, amen. You know? I like candy bars. Let's suffer so we can have candy bars. You see, your hope here in this text. Why you as an individual can celebrate. Listen, this message may seem silly 
Okay? Because of our culture, we don't suffer like many do. But we are called to suffer for Christ. And so, don't discard it. Okay? Don't discard. Because at any moment, any moment, someone could walk through that door and start shooting people in our church. And all of a sudden, this passage makes sense. Now, I pray to God He keeps us safe, but the reality is it's happening every day around us. People are suffering. And when we suffer, we need to rejoice. And when we rejoice, we look weird to the rest of the world. I mean, think about it. Here, these men of the Bible were sitting in prison. They were beaten for their faith. And they were singing praises to God so much that the people around them were being saved. They celebrated in their sufferings. This morning, if you're going through a suffering, if you're going through a trial in life, if you're going through a tribulation that God may have placed in your life as a testing, how are you dealing with it? Are you pouting? Are you celebrating? Am I going to pout in front of my computer? Oh, I can't believe. Oh, have mercy on me. No, I had to do it. I had to celebrate and say, God, you gave me a story. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, while that sermon is completely different than this sermon, at least I came out with a story. He says with exultation, great celebration. You see, our hope here is the second coming of Christ. You want to know why you can celebrate? Because Jesus is coming back. That is the hope that Peter offers. If this morning you're looking for something more than that, Scripture never promises it. All I can tell you is Jesus Christ says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and I'm coming again to receive you to Myself. That where I'm, there you may be also, and He's going to take us into the mansion that He's prepared for us, because heaven is a prepared place. It's a promised place. And we need to be celebrating and looking forward to the second coming. He never tells us that our days will be well every day. Or that we will even stand strong. But we can when we do it in Christ. Look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. It says this, Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great. In heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This morning, if you're going through a trial, a persecution, we're to rejoice because the same way they persecuted the prophets, they will persecute you and even me. I can't offer you much more hope than that. That this morning, when you endure persecution, that your reward in heaven will be great. Now, the flip side of that is if we don't suffer much in this world, then it seems to be that our reward will be quite less. And so we should rejoice when we suffer because when we rejoice in our sufferings, we know that our reward is being added to us in heaven. Because we don't focus on this life. We don't focus on the things that are temporary, but the things that are eternal. Because the things that are temporary are right here, right now, but the things that are eternal are the things you can't see. And we need to rejoice in those. The third thing that he wants us to see this morning is we need to calculate 
our sufferings. We need to calculate them. Now, what do you mean calculate? Well, just like when my sermon file took a trip to far, far away land, I had to sit back and evaluate, number one is why it happened. Did I do something to cause the problem? Well, actually I did. And that's another whole sermon. You know, on the Mac, it's got a little spinning wheel, and when it starts spinning, it don't do nothing. And so either you can be patient and wait, or you can close the file and start over. Well, in my mind, I thought, if I close the file, I have autosave. So I closed the file, I went to autosave, and guess what? It didn't autosave it, because it never had the opportunity to do. So I had to calculate why it happened. It was my fault. God used my own fault to bring about a story. And so listen, we need to evaluate. We need to calculate or you can call it evaluate. We need to have an evaluation. Verse 15 says, make sure that none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name for it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? You see, what Peter is saying is he's saying this. Calculate everything. Evaluate everything that's happening in your life. All the so-called suffering, all the so-called computer failures, we need to calculate and make sure that it's a righteous suffering for Christ's sake and not suffering based off of our own mistakes. You see where I'm going with this? Peter is very smart. Make sure this morning that you're not rejoicing over something that's not godly. I had a man in my office not long after I got here and he was telling me a story about his sufferings for Christ. And how God called him to this foreign country. He hopped in a plane. He didn't know where he was going. The story was really far out there. But he was obeying God and he flew into this country and the people said, you can't land here or we're going to put you in jail or going to shoot you down. And he said, well, I'm coming because God told me to go. And so he lands and they put him in prison. He shoots these men trying to escape. He kills them and yet he says, Hallelujah, God delivered me from this situation. You see, he's justified in his mind that he was suffering righteously when he was breaking the very laws of God. Thou shalt not murder. Listen, we need to make sure that we're not rejoicing over something that's not godly this morning. We can rejoice, we can justify in our head that what we're doing is right. And therefore rejoice when we do suffer. But we need to make sure it's that which is godly. This is 
suffering for the wrong thing. When we need to be suffering for the kind of things which we are not to be ashamed of, and that is Jesus Christ. Really what Peter is doing here in this passage is giving a disclaimer on his message. Because the human can rationalize anything in their minds. But here Peter is making it clear, listen, if one is suffering as a murderer, one is suffering as a thief, or one is suffering as an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler, he is not suffering for Christ or for righteousness, but he is suffering for breaking the very law in which we've been given. Let us not mistake our sufferings which we've created by disobeying the law. Look, if you put yourself into a situation that God calls you not to put yourself into, how can we say we're suffering for Jesus? It's not for the sake of Christ. It's because we have been broken the law of the Lord. And this is the way Peter gives his disclaimer. Because obviously people then were trying to justify their sin for suffering. But we need to calculate it. We need to evaluate our sufferings to make sure and understand what's causing the suffering. Here in the middle he breaks off and he comes back to the Christian that is suffering. He says this, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but he is to glorify God in this name. But if, he says, if you don't suffer in this manner, as an evildoer, as a murderer, as a troublesome meddler, but as a suffering as a Christian, which means a true follower of Jesus Christ. Listen, I think the word Christian, as far as I can tell, is only used three times in the New Testament. And it means a true, genuine follower of Jesus Christ. He says, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't fold under pressure when the man says, you're a holy roller, kids. Or you're a Bible thumper. Or don't, I don't want to hear about that Jesus stuff you've got to offer me. Don't be ashamed. Because they don't understand the things of the Spirit. They're foolishness to those who are perishing. And so we must expect that they're going to persecute us. That they're not going to understand. Peter may be thinking of his own life. Remember Peter, that night when he was ashamed... The night when he said, "Hey, aren't you one of them?" Uh, no, no, no. I don't. I don't know. I don't know who that is. It, I, aren't you one? Of, no, 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 no. I, I told you I don't know him. He denies Jesus Christ three times, but yet he says here, "But if anyone suffers as a Christian, do not be ashamed." Do not be ashamed. Peter has learned from his mistakes. And he has repented. And is now a faithful follower 
of Jesus Christ who is not ashamed. And listen, this morning, only you can answer this. When's the last time you denied Christ? When is the last time you denied Christ? Now listen, you can either stay in that state or you can repent like Peter and say, you know what, I'm imperfect, I'm going to fail. Probably going to deny Him again. But right now I'm going to acknowledge I was wrong and I'm going to repent and I'm going to turn back to God so that He can use me to bring glory and honor to Himself just like Peter has done. You glorify God as a Christian and don't bring a dishonor to His name. It affects everyone around you more than you could ever know. Ever. Honor Him as a Christian in the workplace, in your job, on the golf course, on the horse track, on the mountain trail, on your snowmobile, in your home and in your sufferings. Honor Him. 17 18 says, For it is time for the judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it, it is with difficulty that the righteous are saved, what will become the godless man and the sinner? Judgment is coming. Judgment is on its way. And it begins with His own people. Well, what do you mean, Stuart? The household of God will be judged. And we're being judged right now, today. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 11.32. It says this, But when you are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. We are being judged right now by the Lord as He makes us more into the image of Christ. Your sufferings come from God. Remember, God's sovereignty is such that it's over the suffering in which you suffer. It's not a surprise to God. Your fiery ordeals, your trials in your life, every situation, your finances, your physical aspect, your health, is all under the sovereignty of God. And He, in His great mercy, is refining you to be more in the image of Christ. But think about it. God starts His judgment right within us as we see this through our sufferings and the persecution in which we endure. And if our judgment and our sufferings, what will be the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel of God. This morning, listen, if you are here and you don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that saves you. Not in your own ability, not in your own work, not in your own philosophy, not in your own morality, but Jesus Christ alone as He hung on the cross, He said, to tell us that it is finished, paid in full. There's nothing you can do to obtain salvation but put your faith in Jesus Christ. Then judgment's coming and you need to listen this morning. Don't close your ears. Don't harden your hearts. But listen to the knock on your heart and answer 
answer back to the Holy Spirit and say, I believe the gospel of Jesus and begin to repent of your sins and believe the gospel. Because judgment is coming. There are no words to explain what will happen on that day of judgment. Just like the days of Noah, oh, God isn't coming. Oh, we don't worship that kind of God. God would never send people to a fiery place we call hell. Can you imagine in Noah's day when he said, when the people were saying, listen, if your God is a loving God, He would never flood this earth and kill us. You're crazy. How about when my brother was sold into slavery? Oh, God would never do that. How about Sodom and Gomorrah when he cried out to the city, Repent! And they said, Oh, God, our loving God would never do that. And he rained down fire from heaven and burned it up. And it now sits at the Dead Sea. Listen, God is a God of great mercy and grace. But He's also, as we sing this morning, a justice God. A righteous God. And He is a judge that has to judge sin. If you've broken the law of God, which you have, whether you like it or not, you're a sinner. And listen, I'm a sinner, but I'm saved by grace because I put my faith in a man who paid my penalty. Past, present, and future. And God is a God of... It's a righteous judge and He will not let you pass through unless you put your faith in Jesus Christ. He would not be a righteous judge if He let you go. Just like if you shot me or I shot you and a judge let you go, He'd be an unjust judge. God is a righteous judge. He's coming. And it's through much suffering and pain that God is judging us as believers today. God ordained disciples that one comes to final salvation. That it will be life to those that reject the gospel, separated from Him. You don't want to be there on that day. You will desire to crawl in a hole and bury yourself when He returns. As Paul Washer says, that day is wonderful. Absolutely wonderful, but yet absolutely terrifying. Final thing that we need to look at today is that we need to commit our sufferings. We need to commit our trials, our tribulations, the testings that God has laid on our lives to refine us into the image of Christ. We must commit ourselves to God in suffering. We must entrust our sufferings to the Lord. We must not hold on to them or have this reliance on our own ability, but lay them back at Jesus. He says in 19, Therefore, those also who suffered according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to the faithful Creator in doing what is right. Listen. You and me suffer according to the will of God. God wills certain people, certain sufferings, for certain times, for certain purposes. You endure trials in your life. You endure hardships in your life based off of the will 
of God. And He will use every moment to make you more into the image of His Son. How will you handle it? Will you reject it? Will you accept it? Listen. I had a young man call me on the phone this week. Friday. He cursed me out for everything that I was worth. Now, in t- inside I wanted to reach through the phone and knock his teeth out. But as a pastor, I can't act like that. And you as a Christian can't act like that because we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. So I sat there and I took it like a man of God and I listened to what He had to say. And He cursed and He blasphemed the God that I worship. And it was all because of a brother and sister in this church, the way they treated Him. You see, the way we act affects everybody. And He wanted me to intervene into the life of this person. And I said, number one is, I don't believe you've said, anything you've said about my brother and sister in Christ is true. And I don't get involved in personal affairs of my people in the church. But I'll pray for you. And then He continued. And then He hung up. Now, I will see this young man walking down the street. I will see him in the store. The point I'm trying to make is if I hold on to that, how can I look that man in his face and say, Brother, I want you to come to know Jesus Christ. We have to give our sufferings to God. Because it's His will. I don't find it very surprising that this man calls me in the middle of one of my main points. God's testing me in my very sermon. You can't preach it until you live it. Give it to God. This morning, if a brother, sister has offended you, if you've been persecuted for your faith by an unbelief, don't hold that against them. They know no better. Give it to God. Allow Christ to suffer along with you. Psalm 55.22 says this, Cast your burdens upon the Lord, and He will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Isn't that encouraging? If we cast our burdens upon the Lord, we'll never be shaken. Oh, you can curse me. You can call me a Bible thumper. You can't shake me. I might have got a little upset. Bit my tongue. But after I gave it to God, I'm going to pray for Him even harder. You have been encouraged this morning to take your burdens unto the Lord. Peter continues to tell us this in chapter 5 verse 7 as he says, Cast all your anxieties on Him. Because He cares for you. This morning, what anxieties are you carrying with you? Listen, is it the anxieties that you want your kids to grow up and be godly men and women? That's one of the anxieties I carry around with me. I don't want my kids to leave the faith. 
I don't want my I hear these stories, oh these pastor kids, they're the worst ones. Listen, I don't believe in that mess. I want my kids to grow up godly and I expect it out of them. That's an anxiety. I have to trust God. I can't change their hearts. God does. Is it finances? Are you struggling? Listen, I've got I've got family that are struggling so hard with finances right now. It breaks my very heart because all they've done for me throughout my life. But we worship a God that is above our finances, a God that's above every circumstance in our life, and all we need to do is cast our anxieties on Him. It's how we deal with the world view we have. Do we look at it and go, well, I need to fix the problem, or we need to say, you know what, I'm doing everything I can, and I'm going to trust that God is going to be my provider. He's going to be my provision man. Marriage problems. What suffering it is that you've got in your life. God calls you to give it to Him. You cannot change your circumstance unless you're living in sin and then you need to get out of it. We need to trust in a Savior that's much more than a Santa Claus God. We go to Him when we're happy, when we're sad, when we're going through trials because He loves us and He promises that He will take care of us. This morning, are you committing those things? I plead with you to commit your sufferings, your trials, your difficulties of life unto the God we worship because He is a big and mighty and powerful God and He can deliver even the mightiest sinners such as myself. Suffering with Christ is never easy, but suffering without Christ is detrimental. This morning, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? I plead with you to put your faith in Him. And if you don't know Him, you better talk to somebody before you walk out of this church because God never promises you another breath. And once you step into eternity, you're either going up or you're going down, and it's for eternity. And we don't want to see you go down. We want to see you rejoice with the Lord. Are you weary this morning? Are you tired? Are you struggling this morning? Stop trying to do it all in your own strength. Stop trying to accomplish the world by yourself. And start depending on the Holy Spirit to transform the lives of the people around you and in yourself. You can work yourself to death to get people to come into the kingdom of God and it won't work. The prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. Let us pray this morning.